to We Are Already Free. This is a podcast I have dreamed into being to support you who are on this path of self-discovery, this path of sovereignty, of remembering that you are already free. In a society that has bred us to believe that we are anything but powerful, that we are anything but sovereign, this podcast is your invitation and your reminder to return to that simple truth that we are already free. Join inspiring, down-to-earth guests as they share their vulnerable stories, favorite strategies, and authentic experiences on how they live lives of beauty, joy, connection, and meaning with the people they love. I'm your host, breathwork facilitator, empowering wordsmith, and intuitive guide, Nathan Maingard. It's an honor to be here with you today. Our very first guest embodies her sovereignty beautifully. Tara of Slowdown Farmstead shares the most wonderful, inspiring, and uplifting stories of her life living on her farm with her husband and their family on their farm, Slowdown Farmstead. I've been following her for some time on Instagram and the way she writes, the story she shares, the depth of authenticity she brings to the life that she is here to live is beautiful. And it is inspiring. And to me, it is an example of what one can achieve when one is aligned with that truth that we are already free. When we choose to do not just what is easy, but what is right. We cover some pretty broad topics. There is laughter, there are tears. We go from the heights to the depths and back again. So please take some deep breaths as you prepare yourself for this journey. We cover things like carnivorous butterflies. We cover the passing of her beautiful daughter. We cover some of the aspects, the practical aspects around how to get good quality food in your areas or what she recommends. We talk about freedom and liberty and what does it mean to be free, to have parts of us that no one else gets to control. We have a Q&A towards the end where some of the audience has asked some beautiful questions around EMFs and tech time and dietary awareness and how to navigate transformation as one is waking up. How do we navigate that with our family and our friends as we are changing? We cover this and so much more. There is such a depth and breadth to Tara's knowledge, her heart, her emotions. So thank you so much to this beautiful human for coming on today. And I hope that you enjoy this very first episode. And I couldn't think of a more appropriate person to have on than Tara of Slowdown Farmstead. As this is a brand new podcast, I'm going to ask that once you have listened to this, that you please take one action, which is to go to iTunes, to Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And if you can, please leave a review. As a new podcast, this gives an opportunity for other people to easily decide if they want to listen or not. It also has the chance of getting it in front of a lot more people. If enough people leave a review early on, we could get into the new and noteworthy section. And more than anything, now more than ever, I think this kind of information, the remembrance that we are already free is so, so, so important for the world to hear, to pe for people to have access to. I, can, I know there are so many people out there who think they are alone, who are overwhelmed and confused and know that they want to change. They know that they want to connect with a different way of being and they just don't have access to it. So please, please take that action once you have listened to this episode and you've, you've connected with it. 
take that action, leave a review. It's a massive deal. It will make a huge difference and we can really get the word out about this. I've also released several episodes at once. So when you're listening to this, even if it's the very first episode that's just come out, there will be at least another two episodes out along with this. I have amazing guests like Emily Saldea of the Free Birth Society. I also have Chef Pete Evans, who has been through some horrific experiences in his country of Australia just for speaking his truth, just for trying to help people to be healthy, holistically healthy. These people have been courageous leaders within their communities. They have stayed aligned with these universal truths of holistic health, of connection, of good food, of good birth, of what it means to be a free, liberated human. So make sure to check those out as well and make sure that you certainly subscribe to this podcast. If you enjoy what you hear and you want to hear more, I have so many good guests coming. It's going to be amazing. But for now, please enjoy an uninterrupted episode with the wonderful terror of Slowdown Farmstead. And thank you for being here. We are already free. The thing I wanted to start the conversation with is carnivorous butterflies, carnivorous butterflies, um, because I, it's just one of the images that so stands out for me with you. And I just love to hear that experience for you and what that means, what that brings to mind when I say carnivorous butterflies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that should be the name of a song or something. It's yeah. pretty. pretty. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so... Um, you're talking about a, an image that I shared. It was a video and it was on uh, harvest day for us. So we were harvesting um, beef uh, steer. Um, so that's always a really somber day for us. It's like a very um, intimate day. We are always, um, everything gets shut off except what we're doing. It's a heavy, heavy day. And then it's also a celebratory day, but it's probably one of the most um, well, it is the most intense, um, uh, demanding, emotionally demanding things we do farming, um, because, um, oftentimes these, so these animals are born on our farm and we harvest them and, uh, that's a great responsibility. And it's also, um, celebratory and joyous but that comes after usually for us um you know it's in like there's a methodical preparation that goes into that morning and so it's always very intense things are usually quite quiet around the house um it's really important for us that the animal is killed as humanely as possible um and so uh that requires the right mindset and the right type of movement. And there's a slowness to things and a calmness. And we want that animal to be as calm and peaceful as possible. It's why we always have them out on pastures. So they're like, and I say this a lot, but it's, it, you know, their, their hooves are on the same soil they were born on and they're under the same sky that they've known all their lives. And it's just another day for them. And Mm. um, from a distance uh, we, shoot them in the head and so it's like absolutely instant and then we pray over their body and there's a very um profoundly tangible um sharing of the spirit leaving the body i i often wish that i could gather people and just have them witness that because it's so profound and so it's um 
it pulls in all of our senses. So yes, it's very emotional and spiritual, but if you're just present, it's almost impossible to ignore that there's something profound happening around you. And um, so that's always the lead up to it. So that's sort of our state of mind and where we are at when this is happening. And um, on that particular day, there was um, yellow swallowtail butterflies that were about. And um, as we started to, um, after you shoot the animal, you cut an an artery so that blood the blood leaves the body. The animal is already brain dead by this time. But um, so the blood is actually leaving the body and going into the soil. And we just, this is often the time when we're praying. Um, we put our hands on the animal and we just sit in silence and gratitude um, as this, whatever is happening, <laughs> this transmutation, this like the spirit sort of filling up all around us. Um, and you can feel like from the body, it's not an, it's not like an end of something. There's a transformation happening. And so, um, when I say it's like the most profound and intimate, um, to just be there and be a part of that and to witness that and to, um, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's really big. It's just big. And it's um, just a beautiful, heartbreaking. It's, it's everything. It's everything. And it's, uh, it's uh, that one day specifically, the, um, this butterfly came and as the sort of blood is going back into the soil, which I always just find so profoundly right, you know, it's just the rightness of that. Um, for these animals that nourish us that that um, you know there was a time when that animal's blood from her placenta um, was going into the earth and now it's like the her lifeblood is going or his whatever into the back into the earth and this butterfly came and landed on this blood and at first I just thought it was just landing somewhere but um, we just sat and watched this butterfly as it started to consume the blood it was it was being nourished by this blood and um I know that a lot of that these things we have these ideas as you know butterflies almost this pristine like vegetarian goes on the flowers and we have these stories around that sort of thing but no this butterfly stayed there for 10 15 minutes would leave come back leave come back and was just slurping up his blood and um it's an image is one of the most um i get a lot of feedback from that image because people are just like a butterfly <laughs> drinks blood and to me it's just such a beautiful um example of like the intricacy and the the connectedness of nature and the natural world and that if we let these little stories go you know these disney-fied versions of things and just observe and witness um the beauty of like this life leaving in this pool of blood and the butterfly coming to be nourished by it to me it represents so much of the totality and wholeness that's there for us to learn from um yeah so that's my story about the butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I, yeah, I appreciate that. I think I thought of it because 
this I was working on a, a little ebook. People have been asking me a lot for my poetry. Like, where can I read your poetry? Where can I, you know, I've got it as spoken word, but I want to go into these poems. And so one day I sat down and started designing a little ebook on Canva. Like, okay, I'm going to make a little ebook. And I found this image of this butterfly that I put on the yellow background, which you, I think you can see, I think, on that side. Yeah, um, yeah I can see. And exactly. And so I, and that became the cover of that ebook. And then I, when I was thinking of the podcast, I just thought what a beautiful representation of a part of the transformational process. And, and I had an insight recently that, that our society is in many ways, or, or I, I myself included, and, and just a lot of the kind of spiritually oriented people are obsessed with enlightenment, which is considered the butterfly you know, like, oh, yes, mm. hatch out of your cocoon, transform into who you were always meant to be. And and I had this realization recently, well, you're also meant to be an egg and a caterpillar and a cocoon and a butterfly who then lays mm. eggs and passes on. So the, the, the stage of the so-called enlightenment is also is no more or less valuable or valid than each of the other stages of the metamorphosis. And mm. something about this idea of also the move from the devourer to the life bringer so i saw a bunch of caterpillars on a tree recently and they were just demolishing that tree like just just tearing it or just eating the whole thing and then i thought yeah and then they'll go into their cocoons and they'll become butterflies and they will pollinate and they will be growers of new life they will be cedars of new life and so something about your story ties into that around Butterflies as a representation of enlightenment, of a certain stage of the journey that we're all on. And that even in that stage of enlightenment where a lot of people will be like, oh, we're beyond the physical, we all the things. Butterflies still get eaten by bigger animals and they drink blood. And like, mm. I don't know, there's something beautiful, poetic in that for me. Mm, I love that. I really love that. And I that that's a much more poetic way of saying like what I'm always trying to share as well and that's um in our enlightenment or in this sort of evolution of trying to grow beyond what we started out as um we have to understand that we're not you know you don't dabble in nature but we are nature work we're intricately connected and we don't get to just choose the pretty little parts of things i have a real problem with this idea of like I mean, water, all the, you know, sitting in a waterfall and this is beautiful and it's all a part of it, but it's a part of it. And I'm really wanting to be humble enough to witness the totality of what we are a part of and what we're asked to be. And um, in order to do that, I can't, I can't just go with what's comfortable. I can't just sit around the stuff that, um, makes me feel good or the beautiful butterfly, you know, without understanding that it was a nubby caterpillar that was like destroying another part of life first. Or, um, and so I think, I think that has to be part of, um, our understanding and our pursuit too. And in, in being open to all of it. Um, otherwise, Otherwise, it just feels really superficial to me. It's just like a glossing of what is actually there. And what is actually there is a whole lot more painful and a whole lot more wild and dangerous than maybe we're comfortable with. But isn't that what we're supposed to be doing if we're truly trying to expand ourselves? Mm. Mm. 
Yeah, beautifully said. I so there's something I that, that I'd like to speak about, and I please let me know if it if it's not something you'd like to talk about. But and I was I've been sort of back and forthing with this because. Well, I'll just tell a bit of my story and then see where it goes and, and whatever unfolds from that. But so just over six months ago, my beloved dog Sasa ran away and went missing and, and never came back. And for me, it was the biggest, it is the biggest loss that I've consciously experienced in my life. Um, I realized afterwards, I was like, she was never more than a few feet away from me for years. Like she was just there with me. She was so close to me that often when we were on walks, it happened so many times that I never got used to it. I'd say to my beloved Carly, where's Sasa? And she's like, she's right next to you. And she was so <laughs> close. I couldn't see her. Like that's how close she was. And, and her going has like cracked open so much pain, so much loss that I, it's like, it's brutal and beautiful in ways that I could never have imagined. And, and I was saying to my mom expressing, I was going to be chatting with you and talking about the loss that you've been through recently, your beautiful daughter. And I was saying to my mom, it's like, I almost don't want to talk about this because what is my loss when you've lost a child? How could I even bring this up? And my mom said, the thing is, Nathan, that you lost your mom when you were young, because when I was 10 years old, my mom disappeared for nine months. She left us with our dad and just vanished out of my life. And I have no memory of that time. I don't know what that felt like. I don't know what, what thoughts were going through my head. There was no container for me to be safe enough to, to go into the feelings that I had at that time. And what Sasa did in her leaving, my beautiful friend, my little dog, is that she brought me the gift of that knowing that I had not been able to access. And so I'm just kind of opening the door and inviting if you wanted to share anything around this journey of loss, as you, which you are so poetically and courageously sharing in your writing. And so I'm just, yeah, if there's anything that, that you would like to share. Um, well, I'm sorry about your beloved Sasa first. I can see how much you loved her. It's hard. And I don't I don't think it's fair to compare levels or depths of pain and and diminish your own because it is she was your beloved dog. That's heartbreaking. Um I think what I'm learning is um you know, Nathan, I used to think like, and I've written about this, I know, but I used to think that I had this deal with God <laughs> and it went a little something like this, you know, take anything you want, do anything you want. And I haven't had a smooth ride of things in my life. It's I've had, I've had things, <laughs> but I always got through it and I could always get through it. And but that was off the table. And I think the reason the idea of losing one of my children, I have three beautiful daughters, is I would never be able to survive it. And so you might as well just take me at the same time. It's just not a possibility. And, you know, I am, I would hear other people's stories or tragedies and think, oh, you know, there, but for the grace of God, go I. 
And thank goodness, like, you know, I, I feel so horrible for those people and could have such compassion for them, but they obviously are made of something tougher than I am because that couldn't have happened to me. This it's asinine, but we do these things. We do these mental gymnastics to protect ourselves from the idea of such a impossible tragedy happening to us. Um, but the, there's so much to say about that. But I, I think along with what we're talking about, the thing that I am so blessed and grateful is that um, my mentor, Richard, who was one of my best friends, he was a lifelong cattleman. He was my best friend, um, like a father figure to me. And he died a few years ago. And he's the one who taught me all about death and in his death taught me profoundly even more. And that connected me in a way to all of life in a very, what we're talking about, um, um, in the totality of life, not just the pieces I was able to be comfortable with. And so now um, I live forevermore with a broken heart. I will never, nothing heals those things. There's nothing to heal. I just have to surrender and live to what comes. And when the pain and just like brings me to my knees, I allow that to come and I don't distract myself and I don't run away from it. And I don't, I, I absolutely want to experience what is supposed to come because I have great faith that there's wisdom beyond my own. And that's what I'm always trying to connect with and tap into. And what I've found is that the difference in my life now is the level of saturation, you know, mm. both the pain, but also both the beauty. Because when I can allow all that pain and I can allow beauty that just is so magnified over the simplest thing, you know, I was in the garlic patch uh, the other day, and um, after our daughter had died um, last summer, uh, there was a, there's a type of dragonfly here that has five hearts down. It's the body of its back, five perfect little hearts, and there was five people in our family. And I had never seen it before, and I am an admirer of dragonflies, but their wings are literally iridescent gold. And last summer, they were everywhere. These these dragonflies and this summer I hadn't seen them and I was kind of oh, where's these where are the dragonflies and I was in the garlic patch and my husband started walking up to me and just then this dragonfly came and landed right in front of me on the exact garlic one of these ones with the five hearts um and I was I went right up to it right like within inches and it didn't go anywhere. It was just like its beautiful wings were just kind of blowing in the wind. And I was talking to this dragonfly and asking him or it or whatever this dragonfly was about my daughter. And I was talking to my daughter and my husband had come up at that time and he was there too. And both of our faces were pressed up and that dragonfly stayed there for 15 minutes. It did not go anywhere. It just stayed there with us. And it was so 
profound to just be there in that saturated in that space with with something beyond what we can measure something beyond what we're capable of using our senses for there was something profound happening in that moment and I mean my husband and I both had tears in our eyes and we just felt this connection with our daughter and um that's what I mean by like the beauty and the saturation of just being able to be present to that to surrender and if I am always guarding my heart from the pain or drinking a glass of wine to numb that feeling or you know keeping myself busy then I I there's no way to shut that stuff off and still be able to be so just dripping with love and gratitude even even though you're carrying that pain at the same time there's no boundaries anymore in my life there's no there's no I'm in pain and this hurts right now but when this is done maybe I'll feel okay it's all together everything is all together all the time I it's just it's just like this collage all smushed up together and there's like just fury and pain and like anguish and there's like just such a feeling of being connected and joyous at the same time and I think a lot of that also Nathan is because I my my daughter's not dead she's dead I know that but her spirit it's not, I don't live in, I love my memories of my daughter. I love them. I evoke them all the time, but that's not where she is right now. And where she is, is very real. And our relationship goes on and she's teaching me in really profound ways. Like I, I can't imagine thinking she's gone and just having to pull up memories or pictures because she's evolving in such powerful ways. And teaching me these things that I'm just I'm in awe and that is like I have to be here to tap into that I have to be here to be with her and so that's my that's where I am thank you very much for sharing oh man <laughs> yeah I, that that what you just said about yeah, it's a strange thing. I I think sometimes I get in that where I'm I'm trying to like find Sasa somewhere or find what was, and I look at a photo and I'm like, nah, she she's not there. And and one of the things that came of of her passing was uh, living the Sasa way. And so it's like this mantra for me now of like embodying the love that she gifted me f was like it's still alive it, that 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 experience is now something i can actually be in like that little piece of me that was sasa that was outside that came to remind me of something is now in everything if i can just mm -hmm. remember that and just be with mm -hmm. that and be and as mm -hmm. you say be willing to actually be in it without shying away from the pain yes so thank yes. you tara mm -hmm. Sure. Wow. All the way deep. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> mm. 
So I actually, I would really love to share a song with you that it feels appropriate in this moment. Um, it's called Music. And I want to just to actually honor your daughter. And the, I think the reason it came up now is, is there are multiple reasons. One of them is because the song is a reminder that it's all music, that this dance we are dancing, one of the reasons it's called the universe is that it's the one song, the one story, and that this resonating frequency that we are all a part of, we are all a critical part of, and that the, all that changes as when the body goes is the vibrations shifting into something else, something other, something mysterious. And when I wrote this song, the week that I was writing this song, just in my everyday life, continuing as usual, someone wrote to me on Twitter and said, I'm a family friend of this family. Their daughter is named Jess. She's 10, year, 10 years old and she's had terminal cancer her entire life, basically, since she was three or four. Mm. And she's now going to be passing. And would you just do a shout out for her just to like let her know, you know, we just want to provide her with as many beautiful moments and experiences and as possible before she goes. And, and I said, yeah, of course, I'll, I, you know, I'm actually writing a song right now. I'll just put it on the video. I'll, I'll mention her in the video and, and just do that little piece and, and then kind of carried on with my life. And, and that weekend I rewrote the last verse, not actually thinking really about Jess, but I felt the last verse needed a shift. And in hindsight, I realized that the verse was kind of for her. And I shared it with them. I put the video up. I carried on. And, and they sent me a message a week or two later. And this friend said, Jess is so grateful for this song. Thank you so much. And she's asked if you would be okay if we, she, we play it at her funeral. And if we oh. could put the last verse and have it at her funeral. And it just, it just blew mm. my mind. It's like the dragonfly landing. It's like these moments of magic where the universe just says, like, here's a gift. Uh, here's a gift and you don't even I didn't even know the depths of value and so I'd love to offer this song to all of us who are dancing this song of life so yes <laughs> beautiful can you still hear me okay is that coming through okay yep okay Resonate from the really small to the extra great, and you are such a melody. The heavens lean down just to sing it to me. It's all music, 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 music. Feel this all vibrate from the roots of a tree to the tip of the tongue of a snake. Yes, we all create. Together in love, what a song we can make. It's all music, 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 music,
tantalized I feel you contained Nothing out of place It's all music 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 Rest now, little one Already here, there's no more to be done in the morning. We'll greet the sun and celebrate what a song we have sung. It's all music, 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 I don't think we can go much further as a society into separation and into illusion and into the false belief systems. Like I don't think there's too much further that it's possible to go. And I really honor what I see in you and your husband and the way that you share and the way that you are is that what I witness is that you're honoring the truth. And I've often wondered, what is the truth? Like, it was, mm. truth is subjective. And I'm like, yeah, up to a point. <laughs> there, mm. is, there seem to be some foundational rules around it. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts. What is it to you? What, do you, what comes up for you when you think of the words, we are already free? And how does that show up in your life? Um, I, I really like, I mean, I think I first heard you use that term, we are already free. Was it a couple of years ago, maybe? Um, About a year and a half, I think. Or so. Yeah, it's been a bit. But it instantly resonated with me because it's almost like a recentering. It's so easy to get caught up with the nonsense of what's going on. And you know, I think especially right now, there's a lot of like top down directives and controls and they're coming fast and furious. And it's really easy to get sucked into that and start feeling powerless. But it's sort of this idea of just it's almost a mantra, you know, we are already free that we don't need. There are so many truths um, like you spoke to, and I think we're losing this idea of subjective truth, um, maybe subjective feelings or subjective opinions, but there has to be a grounding in truth. There has to be, or, or things will be lost. And we can see as this is dissipating away and we're allowing more for my truths, um, 
we're we're getting in trouble here <laughs> so mm-hmm. the idea um both that there are for me um i look to nature where i find our creator i say god whatever anyone says um as a grounding in absolute truths there are absolute truths and i think when we move away and we have separation with the natural world of which we belong it's easy to lose this idea that there are absolute truths and that we can just you know run amok with opinion and everyone's version of what should be true based on what they want to be true um Mm. but i am you are as you know already free i am free there can always be things done to me there can always be restrictions Mm. placed on me i live in the society but there's things in me that no one gets to touch and no one gets to control. And those are the most precious things to me. People can control my logistics and they can control my bank account and they can control all these other things. But those things, if I'm able to delineate between what is mine and my essential being is untouchable. And I have to remind myself, like this last couple of years, especially living in Canada, there's a lot of times where things could feel overwhelming. And if I lose sight of that, I'm agreeing to the version of the world that they are saying is true. But I know it's not true because I see what's true. I'm <laughs> in what's true. <laughs> so it all it all is together in that way. You can't you can't fool me. Because I know, because there's a, a a much bigger and honest world that I belong to, and what you're what they have for sale is not something I'm interested in. So I'm even if even if they can control those other things, um, those are the very least of who I am. So yes, it's frustrating and it's, you know, and I get pissed off like everybody else does, but there's, that's not the stuff that keeps me free that I can get on a plane and go somewhere when I want to, I'm still free and I can't go anywhere. So, um, I think that that does not come from them. That comes from Mm. our creator and having an intimate Mm. relationship um there so uh i actually use that nathan often reminding myself it's okay it's okay oh they're doing the you know it's okay because Mm -hmm. i'm here and i can just be i can just sit on the earth and remind myself of who i am or under a tree and and remind myself where i belong and who I am answering to, to, to which is myself. Yes, I, myself, but also something so much bigger than myself. And I think having humility as well, uh, for me, that's really big is that I, I enter into that world with humility and reverence. And I don't see much humility and reverence in sort of the construct of what, where they're trying to steer the ship. It's like a different world that I don't think is honest and i think the fact that we can enter it we have to enter into it with like our guards up and like soldiers ready to take things on and we have to sort of um 
you know, create this version of ourselves that's acceptable in that other world. The whole thing is like, an, you know, we're an avatar trying to operate there. And in that world, we're agreeing to the rules of the game, but that's not required of us when things are honest and we're really in, you know, we get to be authentic. Everything is authentic and genuine. And that includes a lot of painful stuff, but if it's just all pleasantries, the chances are you're over. You're not actually in it. You're not actually a part of it because mm. it, that's not how the real world works. The real world, mm. the natural world, whatever um, you want to call it. But it's like every everything is, is free in that world. Everything mm. participates. Everything eats and will be eaten. Everything lives, everything dies, and you're all a part of that. And that bigness and feeling small within that bigness, to me, brings me a great sense of peace. There's a lot of peace in that for me. Yeah, beautiful. I love the way you've spoken about that. Because in some ways, I think the, words, the word free has come to represent without responsibility. Mm. And I, I, it, it doesn't. No, nothing you've said makes me think mm. of that. It's really like, it's all free. And the freedom is to live aligned with the rules of nature, the laws of nature, the, the foundational way that it all interacts, that life eats life and begets life. And that that's, that's, the, that's the game. There's no other mm. way. So the only thing that isn't free is the denial of that. Mm. I, love, I love that you brought responsibility into it because that's part of it too is it that's huge mm. like there's nothing there's still there's rules in nature there's rules you know <laughs> and there's structures and there's truths and we we it goes back I know I I've said this a couple times but just this idea of being able to pluck you know the parts that we like is not is not the is not honest it's not honest and for you know as an example so we um years ago when we had our first farm we used to sell grass-fed beef and organic pork and we would bring the animals to the abattoir and um I just couldn't do it. Uh, that mentor that I alluded to before, Richard, he had always harvested all of his own animals and he really instilled that in me. And so um, we stopped selling meat because in Canada, you can't sell it unless you bring it to an abattoir. So we stopped, we moved to a different farm, a smaller farm. And um, because it was just really important to me to be able to do that. And a, a huge amount of the feedback I get um, is how could you do that? Like, how could you kill an animal who was born that you've had a relationship for often three or four years? If it's a, if it's a cow that we're talking about sometimes even longer, mm. um, how can you, how could you possibly do that? And I get where that comes from because we are so separated from death. We're just, mm. it, it's like, we're, it's hidden from us to make us more comfortable. Just like so much is hidden from us to make us comfortable or it brings up these negative feelings. And we interpret these like hard feelings as bad or wrong. And so we want to move away from them all the time. 
And um, I think that's why we are a little infantile as a society in our understanding of the bigness of the world. And I'm, I can be a bit of a, I like to be blunt uh, a lot. And I, 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 what I say to people often is, um, you know, what, what of it? Yeah. Your feelings, you don't want to do that. It's hard. I am not a hard person. Like I don't have some skill or talent that keeps my heart shut down Mm. when I'm looking through the barrel of a gun at an animal. I don't have that. Like I talked about earlier, it's a very somber, somber act for us. Mm. Um, For me, it feels like I'm hardening my heart more to load an animal in a trailer, drive it to the abattoir and give it to the guy in the killing chute to do this 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 times a day, just, you know, with nothing, with not knowing this animal. Um, So I'm going to eat this animal. It's my responsibility. It's my responsibility to give it the best and best and most instant death that I can and to properly thank this animal as it's leaving. It's not because I love that job. We don't like that job at all, but we want to be able to do that. And that is responsibility. Like that is taking on that responsibility because it's what's right, not because it's what's easy. Um, So that's a really, um, and that's a, there's a lot like that. And I mean, it's not just in farming, but it's the rightness of things. I think we need to start paying more attention to what's right than like our emotions as using them as guideposts to do things or not do things. Oh, I could do that. Oh, I could never do that. But what's right? And can we ask ourselves to move closer into that rightness? Um, and for me, I look at nature for that. You know, I look at, I have great faith and the truth of what is displayed to us if we're humble enough to observe it and participate in that. And so I don't really need to look beyond that. I don't need mm. to look at our, our ideas of what's um, humane or logistically correct or anything like that. Um, I just have to pony up the guts <laughs> to do things in a way that I think is right. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. You actually, I just, as you said, what's right, not what's easy. I, I suddenly was like, oh, I know that. And I realized, oh, no, I know that from you. That's that's one of the mantras I use as someone I've spent a lot of my life doing what is easy because of my own traumas and my own reasons and the stuff I'm working through. But at the end of the day, it doesn't work. It's a, it's a short-term solution that causes more of the problem it's trying to avoid. Does that make sense? Yes, for sure. Like choosing yeah, the easy... Yeah, yeah, I was like, wow, that sounded strange coming out. Uh, <laughs> um, and so thank you for, for saying that. Thank you for bringing that into the space. I just want to ask Nanette, I see she's got log shedding, which is something we have here in South Africa. So if you have a question, feel free to type it in the comments or if you want to come on and ask, um, you're welcome. I can, I'll give you, should have permission to, let me see, ask to unmute. There you go. Hi, uh, thank you so much, guys. Uh, this is really great. Um, 
I just want to comment, um, Tara, your writing is incredible. Oh, and um, something that stands out for me um, just on the topic of death is how you said she's no longer contained. And I cannot think of any better way to put death and uh, from a long journey of fighting death myself, not physically really at the moment, but just mentally. I've um, really shifted my view of death. My dad also died last year, June, and it was the first death in our family, and I couldn't believe how well I handled it. It was just bizarre. Um, I was kind of the rock when nobody would have expected that. Anyway, that's just like one comment. On the side of what you do, which I just admire so much, and um, I, I've been having this question, and I think, Nathan, you and Carly probably would um, have some feedback on it too. Um, I've never been a vegetarian or vegan. I've always eaten animals and um, had dairy in my diet um, to some extents, different extents throughout. And But I'm more and more struggling with... Um, okay, so the meat side of it's not so difficult where I am in terms of sourcing as ethical as possible. But um, is it possible, uh, knowing the dairy industry, how it is? Um, I know that one, if one has a small holding and one is raising a single cow, I don't know how much a cow can, how much dairy one cow can give how many families, you know, surrounding families, and still feed the calf. So how does that work in terms of what, what one would say is possible for a better way forward, at, at considering the masses, how many people there are on the planet and stuff? Is there any way we can go ahead with that? Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thanks, Nanette. Thank you so much, Nanette. Um, Nathan, do you want me to sort of try and answer please, the dairy? Please, please, This is your okay. realm. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you for saying that, Nanette, about that she's no longer contained. Really, um, sometimes I write things and I even forget writing them because it just comes from this phase. So I'm so glad um, that that was something you shared back with me. And I'm sorry about your your papa. And um, that you were able to be there with your family is, uh, yeah, that's profoundly beautiful. And thank you so much for your kind words. Um, about dairy, it's interesting you asked me that question because I was just having this conversation with a friend yesterday. She was asking me how much milk we get from our cow who we allow the calf to stay with. And it turned into a, a bigger conversation around what is possible um, commercially. Um, so uh, I'll just quickly tell you what I told her, I guess. So um, uh, an or I'm just gonna talk about an organic sort of medium-sized farm. Um, often they will, uh, they don't, the calf doesn't stay with the mom. So that right there is um, something we need to be better at, something we need to do better. Um, we, we are able to allow the calf to stay with the mom, but it means we lose a lot of milk, but it's not ours to lose. <laughs> like it's the calves and the calf is sharing with us. And I think that there's such a 
monumental difference in that approach. But the question is, will people pay for that? You know, are people going to do, do people value this enough that they're willing to pay for it? And I think like a lot of things in farming, this comes down to the localization again of our food supply. So um, I'm not sure where you're at, if you have access to like smaller local dairies. I'm in um, Cape Town in the southern deep south. And maybe Nathan, you might have some ideas for me because I'm getting ethical meat but I'm not, I don't know any dairies or cheddar or cheese places or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, from my side, this is a, something I would like to consider more of. We are doing our, I mean, we had a dairy cow on our last farm and we actually sold her to the neighbor, which was a great idea because she got much, she had a great life there, but then it was just one cow and there's the complexity of that. Like that didn't feel totally right. Um, although she did then have a calf, which they left with her. But from now that we've moved to another part of the country, we're getting milk from a local, beautiful, free-range cattle, etc. But they do separate the 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 babies, the children out, and it's something we're wrestling with right now. It doesn't feel right, and this conversation is inspiring me to look further into that and actually see what else I could find around that. So I don't know if Tara has anything else around that. Um, I would just say, so where we live in Canada, um, get, getting access to raw milk or any milk outside of the system is highly illegal. So it takes a lot, a lot of work um, and it's really on the down low and it's a whole, it's a, it's really a mess, our system. There, um, there are sort of almost levels, I think, where you can find some dairies will um, keep the calves, but they'll put them separately, but they're still at least getting their mother's milk. They're getting actually raw milk. Most places it's formula, um, which just, it's just, an, it's horrible. And so that, you know, and then of course, a lot of these calves end up going into the veal industry because there's just a surplus of calves. Um, so I think that there's sort of uh, what is kind of available here, even though it's still illegal, is a lot more access to raw sheep and goat milk. Um, and in, in those situations, it's a lot less intensive. And um, I don't know if you've tried, like sheep milk is very mild and quite lovely and sheep and goat cheese is really good too. Um, another thing um, in the past before we had a farm and I, my, our kids were small that we did is we actually paid a farmer um, for a share in a cow. So we were actually paying for the care of that cow and we offered to pay more for the calf to stay with, pay more for the milk for the calf to stay with the mother, understanding that for the farmer, that's like, you know, going to take more than 50%, let's say of the milk, or maybe even depending on what the growth rate of the calf and where the cow is in her lactation. So that's a possibility too, but I think like talking about like the big global system is hopeless. I, I really think we need to shrink into like localization and then finding like with the farmer, what would you need for this to be possible? And maybe there's some other people that feel the way that you do and you'd all be willing to pay, you know, a little bit more per liter or something for that calf to stay there as well. Um, I think that's the way to do things. I, I, think that's where our answer is because I don't think it's ever going to come from mm. what the big boys are doing. <laughs> Thank you so much, Nanette. Thank you for your question. Someone asked on Instagram, how do we know one another when I put out a question? And uh, so, <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Do we, do I don't know. I, 
I, don't I think know. honestly, I think my mom might have shared your page with me quite some time ago, and I oh. think just my enthusiasm. I, I was like commenting and messaging, and then you obviously at some point visited my page, and we just just felt like an easy Instagram friendship. I mean, I was this the fact yeah. that this is our first ever actual video conversation feels weird to me because you feel like such a good friend. It's a strange thing. I know. It's a strange thing. I, <laughs> I feel the same way. I don't know. It's beautiful. Something something pulled me towards yeah. you. Yeah, it's like so easy. Yeah. Yeah, nice. yeah. I think for me, yeah. one of the things that um, I really appreciate that I'm learning, for, or at least that I'm feeling inspired by is how action oriented you and your family are, like how much you're doing with the earth in nature. Like, so for me, I grew up in a little village on the coastal area, barefoot and naked. And then I went into the cities. I went and lived in London and Bristol and, you know, various parts of the UK. And, and I always, my songs and my poems have been about nature and connection being barefoot and in community but i've never really lived that way so now stepping onto mm. this land like i'm still on my computer all the time I'm, I'm still my business is generally online and i'm serving people with coaching which yeah. i love um and i'm also realizing that i feel life is asking more of me than just to talk and sing about how beautiful it is to be in community and working with land like it's actually like okay so when are you gonna work with land like <laughs> So, so, so witnessing you guys who to me seem like you've mastered something that is critical to, to life, actually, it's, it's, should, it's mm. not an optional thing for me. So, um, I, that's one of the things that I really appreciate about you. And then it helps me to stay also realizing that my art, there's a beautiful painting by a guy named Mark Hansen, where there's a painter pushing a brush across the sky, like painting across the sky and, and where his brush has been, it's, it's flowers and community and people and animals and where his brush hasn't been, it's nuclear bombs and war and cities. And, yeah. and it's that thing of, for me to remember, to, to try balance them, that the art is what helps me to imagine and to imagineer a different way of being. And then the action is mm -hmm. how I embody that. And so thank you for embodying that. Mm. <laughs> Oh, I love that. I love the way you just put that too. <laughs> I find like I I always have to have something creative, something that like I'm doing with my hands, something that I'm making or being a part of. I mean, I I'm I'm not talented at all like you are with like singing and I wish I I wish I was a musician. It's just such a beautiful evocative way of expressing things, but um that's really important to me too, is, um, you know, I work with wool a lot and I do yeah. like sort of textile stuff and my writing is sort of, you know, there's this quote, like, how do I, how do I know what I think until I see what I say? Mm -hmm. And that really speaks to me is that I need to see, like, I, I, I just sort of, you know, before I write, I light a candle and I always say a prayer and just ask that whatever is supposed supposed to come or move through me does you know these these concepts and so um i think we need i mean that's the beauty that's beauty in life is the creation that we're here to participate in and so mm. um yeah i'm glad you're out there nathan too you know you said at the beginning <laughs> that you're that you're putting such beauty into the world is so needed and just uh, i just really appreciate you Ditto. Thanks, friend. It's so nice. <laughs> I love mutual appreciation. It's a wonderful feeling. Um, so, and your writing, Tara, your writing is just sublime. I 
Love the way you put words. Oh, man. It's like, anyway. But so Suzanne has a question. She's asked in the comments. She said, I have a question on seafood. I live in Norway and our food tradition has a lot of fish and seafood in it. But apparently this is all toxic now. Do you have any knowledge on this, Tara? Also, I'm such a fan girl of you. You've taught me so much and put me in a direction of literature and knowledge that is bringing me back home to myself and the world. A huge thank you for everything you do. Oh, beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I, I don't know what's happening in Norway. Um, I, I think the microplastics issue is probably the whole globe right now. So there's that issue. I might be wrong, but I think, is it Norway that has a lot of farmed fish right now? I'm not sure. I mean, if that's, if that's part of the equation, farming fish farms are diabolical and I would I would not eat fish from a fish farm that I think that's my first point um we actually stopped consuming fish from the Pacific um so in Canada our west coast is the Pacific and then our east coast is um Atlantic colder waters and there's a lot of back and forth stuff about what's going on in the Pacific after the Japanese um, nuclear accident. And a lot of mainstream news will tell you that it all's good and kosher, but there's people that are, there's actually organizations that are monitoring the waters and there's quite a bit of radioactivity in it. So we eat uh, seaweeds as well. And I stopped getting them from the Pacific coast too. So right now, um, we do eat some seafood. It's always wild and it's always from the Atlantic. Um, but we just, it's a treat for us more than anything. But um, so it's not a big part of, I mean, we're landlocked where we are. So if we're having it, we're bringing it from the maritime provinces. But I understand where she is. That's probably a, a lot bigger part of their um, culture. So I guess those would be the things that I would be looking for. Mm. Uh, before consuming it yeah it's a cha- it's such a challenging one on that level like we were talking about of not getting hooked into the story of the society as it is and at the same time there's microplastics and there are meltdowns of yeah. nuclear plants it's like navigating that yeah. so for me I think one of the things I do the way I think about the way I respond to it is what can I do and how, if I am right. needing to eat fish or I'm, I mean, we live on the ocean, I eat oysters. Like we've got a little tradition every full moon, we go and gather oysters. And that's like, I saw you in your oyster post where you're like, are we going to get to smoke oh. these or are we going to eat these? I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, so what I do then is like, okay, what can I breathe fresh air? Can I breathe? Can I breathe? Do good breath work? Can I help my body's detoxification channels? Can I, where I can do that and uh, at least that's yeah. what what helps me but it is a it is a cha- it's a challenge it's horrific what's what the state of our world currently is in thanks to thanks to our society of of this disconnection we've been talking about so yeah yeah absolutely i i totally agree i think it's it's kind of bananas that we have to go to the extent that we do because i should be able to just like you know, go pick something up and have like a reasonable level that this basket of strawberries is actually just a basket of strawberries and not grown in like human sewage sludge and coated in glyphosate and like, you know, and grown under black plastic and full of estrogenic plastic. But that's what they've done to this thing. And I that brings me back to the localization mm-hmm. and the relationship around food and being able to look someone in the eye and be like, 
what have you done here? What have you grown here? Mm-hmm. You know, what are your practices? And to be able to build, not just interrogate someone, but actually build relationships around food, because that has resonance too. You mm-hmm. know, when I'm like sitting down to um, something and I know the person that grew it and I know what their land looks like, and I've had my feet on that soil, I know it's it's not going to be possible for everything and everyone. I understand that, but even just in little bits, even just in increments and being able to do that, that resonance and that knowledge and that connection, we eat that too. We absorb that too. Mm. And I think those things, you know, if I'm like eating something and I'm like, Oh my God, this is poison. And this is, you know, I've, I've already done it to myself. I don't even have to put the food in my mouth. It's all, I've already given my body the message that like we're poisoning you right now. Mm. So I agree with you totally. I think we have to do what we can do to the extent of our possibilities. And then we have to also find, uh, you know, bless the food that we're eating to have, to take that into our body is such an intimate act. And I think we, owe it to our bodies to buy to find the most beautiful nourishing food we can and then at a certain point you have to let some of the some of that control go and just bless the food and thank thank the food for coming in and nourishing us and connecting us and allowing us to go on and do the work that we're supposed to do Mm. beautifully said thank you Uh, martine garrett from instagram was saying if tara could give her new if she could give her new farmer self one hot tip, what would it be? So like you, if you were to go back in time and meet yourself, the new farmer, you. Oh, <laughs> mm, one, well, huh? One hot tip, um, just one. <laughs> to build pleasure into every single day. To um, One of the things that new farmers do is they dive in and there's so much to learn. We have a, a we have a break in our chain of knowledge and skills and traditions, you know, from the baby boomer industrialization. And now we have a lot of people trying to get back to that. And it's not normal that we're trying to excavate and learn and build these skills and um, figure out the tools and the practices um, without having any mentorship around us, you know, maybe YouTube videos, that's not normal. And it takes a lot. And there's this, like, when you, you finally get to this piece of land that you've been wanting for so long, it's really, um, there's so much to do that it's just, I think normal that people just pour everything they have and just go guns a blazing. And, um, we definitely did that. There was, uh, I still remember butchering a cow when there was sleet. It was minus 16 degrees outside and we were on top of a hill with the tractor on with the tires aimed at us because it was 1130 at night and we were out there till three in the morning and our fingers were numb. And um, because we just literally morning until, you know, we go in to eat and then go back out. And it was just like, bang, 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 bang. And we just wore ourselves down to little nubs and, um, it, it affected our relationship. My husband and I, you know, I didn't like how I was always so torn to be doing all these tasks. And my kids were like, you know, we involved them in things, but what was just theirs outside of the farm became less and less because we would involve them in what we were doing, but there's think life outside of a farm. And so we actually got quite low 
Mm -hmm. and um, exhausted and our finances were just bleeding. And, um, you know, there was just a a literal breaking point where we were like, this, this can't go on in this way. And so, um, you know, when we, before we actually moved to the farm we're living on now, which is slowed down farmstead, um, we had made that conscious decision to start building pleasure and pace into our days and um we accomplish a lot we work hard mm-hmm. and um but there is a slowness there's no it's not frenetic um when i do chores i stop to look at the cobweb you know with the sun glinting down on the cobweb and i'll just stop to marvel at it and we do you know it's plus 34 here and we do cold plunges and we go sit in the screen and porch and we read and we talk and we have tea. So we build pleasure very consciously Mm. build pleasure into our days. And um, that's what I would say. I would, because you're in it for the long haul. You're not in it to prove anything to anybody. You're not in it to like be a hero. You just, I mean, you want to be a part of the bigger picture. And if you're so pushing yourself, you can be in the most beautiful, perfect place on earth and not even notice it and Mm. not even really be observing and learning what you're supposed to be doing. Mm. So that would be my hot take. Thank you. And thank you for that question. Um, (laughs) And so I see Masse, you want to come on and ask a question? Let me, you can unmute yourself now. Can you hear me? Yeah. Nice. Um, uh, I mean, uh, I don't know if it's a question or it's, uh, uh, but this, this is, this is really amazing to be surrounded or to be at least listening to what I'm listening. <laughs> it's not something you hear in a conversation uh, <laughs> or, or eavesdropping something. But, but, but yeah, I, I grew up in, I grew up in Cameroon, which is like in West Africa. And then I came here to the U.S. and uh, in college and and there's there's just so much change in it's not like the nutrition back in Cameroon was at the top, but when I came here, it was easy to see how things were not working um, in terms of nourishment. And even as a college student on campus, um, you know, it, it it didn't work well. So when I started making those changes and like listening and reading. Um, it, it became interesting how much more there was to just, you know, going down the road to buy uh, beef or something like that. It was so much different. But the question which I want to ask is, like, how, like, what's a way to bring that transformation into my family, into my brothers and sisters? Because as much as I would speak and and share that information, sometimes it feels like I'm just, you know, banging myself on the wall and and, and going back again and doing the same thing. And, you know, because it's like, this is really beautiful in the sense that, oh, wow, there's there's a lot we can gain from this. Um, But it's, it's, it's like, I don't know, like what's a way to, to bring it more nicely to them to like share these truths with them it's because at some point it feels like i'm lonely because Mm. you know it's it's all on me and and it's me who is only feeling this effect of oh wow i feel different 
um, uh, I feel way different from from who I was or whatever. Um, but then it feels lonely when you go amongst them and it's like, okay, this is a very different environment. Like it feels like a new environment that I have to maneuver myself within. So it's interesting. Right? So I'm just I'm just trying to ask for any idea uh, of what you think mm. about that. Mm. <clears throat> Tara, you Nathan, wanna... do you want to? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm sure we both have things to say about that, but like, I'll just quickly and then let Tara take this one. But um, for myself, what I'm hearing is is a is a journey of transformation, and right. and I realize that what happens, what I see in life, and because I'm also coaching people, I see how that life comes to have an expectation, not life, but the, the, the relationship dynamics. And so when an individual like yourself is actually going through a process of transformation and of actually empowerment, of finding out, wow, I can actually live a different way, that those old relationship dynamics often want things to stay the same because change is, is scary in certain contexts for certain people. So I don't, I think Tara might have some more insights for you here, but for myself, just to acknowledge, first of all, that transformation can be one of the defining features of transformation often is a feeling of isolation, of being alone. And so then taking that and noticing that and finding ways to resource yourself with those who are your tribe, not just your family and blood, et cetera, which is important, but finding other relationships that can also feed that part of you so that you can have the resilience you need to be, live your truth through whatever you need to go through with your family and wh whoever's going to judge you or not, when it, whatever the story is, but just really to focus on what do you need to feel supported and held and where can you find that and focusing your energy on that as a way to support you as you navigate these changing relationships. So that's a thought that I have and I'm sure Tara has more there. Mm. Mm, that's, that's excellent. That's so true. And I, uh, I think you stated that question just where you're at so well. That's yeah. I and I it resonates with me and I'm sure it yeah. resonates with everyone that's sort of gone through this absolutely like and I would say like I so I used to be a nutritionist and I actually could not convince anyone of what they should eat even though they were paying me and sitting across from me if they did not want to do what I was offering it wasn't going to happen. And so, and I've learned over the years, decades now, that family can be the most stubborn of all people. I have people that are strangers that ask me questions and they're like, how do I do this? What do I eat? And my own family's like, ah, Tara, you know, <laughs> like they, so I think, unfortunately, you can never convince anyone of anything. All we can do is live live our truth and lead by example. You know, you are like, ex you're expressing this transformation that you're going through and you feel good. And when you're going back around these, keep your family and your friends and they're not sort of in that space, it feels like almost a friction because mm -hmm. you're evolving beyond who you were and they're still relating to you as who you were, not what they're seeing in front of them. And, and, mm -hmm that's probably resistance because they're not in that place yet to be able to do that for themselves. And so there's, 
we kind of have to just wish them the best and continue on with where we're at. And, you know, it will probably be in time, you know, a lot of people have to get really low before they're willing to make a change and things. And you're there and you've like planted seeds, whether you've said something or not, just by being and being well and feeling vibrant and vital and, and, you know, leaving them with that. And maybe there will come a time in their lives where they suddenly want to hear what you have to say and they come to you, but they have to want that. It can be frustrating. I know, but they have to. And so I don't even say anything to people anymore unless they ask me specifically. But on the other hand, to what you said about feeling lonely, that also pushed me and maybe for you too, um, to find my tribe of people that could relate to me and that do have those things in common. I think that's really important too. Like, are you still in the U.S. right now? Um, yeah, I am. I am still in the U.S. I just graduated, um, but then uh, I will still be staying on campus. And uh, since I got like a remote job, um, I, I am. Yeah, I am still in the U.S. And um, the thing is, the thing is, with the loneliness, is more of like if I'm with my family, it. It's not as the same, you know, as as that enjoyment that it used to be. It's it's more of like, okay, 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 you know. It's not more. I don't know. I, I I'm looking for a way to explain it, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, that's just that's what it feels like. But yeah, I'm still in the US. I'm still in the US. Yeah, because there are like groups um i don't know if that's something that you're motivated to try or whatever but the, like around you know different i found like for where we are because we're sort of isolated and i have farmer friends and but i have like this bigger group of people that some of them i met through food like through the weston a price foundation and and so and then i went to meetups there and i don't know it's nice to have that ease and alignment with people that you know, yes, you always want to be challenged and stuff, but also just to have like your people, like just to have that easiness and stuff and have, you know, a potluck maybe or something that you can go to. I think that's important too, whether that's, but I, I understand what you're saying about, and I don't know unless Nathan can like get us both out of that because I'm in that situation still like, yeah. No, I mean, I really thank you. Um, how do you say your name, Marse? Yeah, correct, Marse. Marse. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, well, yes. just thank you so much. I really, really reflect what uh, Tara's been saying. That I think you you have vocalized and expressed something that anyone who goes through this kind of a journey will really resonate with. Like that feeling of changing. And now how do I relate to my family, to the ones I, who know me the best, but actually don't know mm. me anymore. And I don't know them in some ways. And I want to bring them this exciting stuff. And I don't, it's, it is a hard journey. And, and for me, the, I'm fortunate in terms of my family, although there are somewhere we don't align. And I realized like one of the things that helped me, and it's a little thing, but it's to realize that my love for them is my love for them. And that that's the foundational piece. And that any way that I'm choosing to be, it's a planet of choice. I don't get to choose for anyone else. And so the practice for me is, can I accept things as they are completely 100% without compromising my needs and my truth? So that might look like making sure that I have the food available that I need to eat or that I want to eat, or just making those extra steps. But then when someone's 
eating some food that just is like, wow, you look really unhealthy and that doesn't look good for you. It's like, I love them. I love them within that state that they're in. And we just honor the journey where they are. And that is a practice. I, I'm not saying that, oh, suddenly it's like, oh, I get it. And it's all going to be easy. But to practice this acceptance of the things that, that I actually can't change. So it's that beautiful, like, the wisdom to know the difference between the things that I can actually change and the things that I can't and, and, and focusing on what I can change. So I hope that helps brother. It's, it's a journey. <laughs> Absolutely. I appreciate you guys. I appreciate yeah, it. Man. Thank, thank, thank you. you so much. Appreciate it. Uh, I think, well, there's actually one more question here and then we'll, we'll close up for the day. And this is from my beloved Carly. And it's a question I would also like to just know and on a very technological level is how do you manage tech like i because instagram you you share a lot on instagram and it's amazing and you do so much in your life like how do you bring those two things together in a way that's balanced <laughs> do you think i share a lot on instagram well i mean your story maybe the stories is i i stories seem like so much effort to me that i would oh, like you're easier though uh, maybe that's it yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know um yeah, I'm I'm I have I'm very careful with that. And I mm -hmm. think there's a few things that uh by how we live also limits my ability to get on a screen. So we were mm -hmm. setting this up and we were talking about doing a live. So where I live, I get one bar of service on my cell phone, one bar. So <laughs> if I want to upload video, I'm it's I'm actually if there's ever video, someone knows I've been to town to to do it. <laughs> and we don't use Wi-Fi. I'm very our house, I'm very conscientious about EMFs in the house. So we our whole house is mediated for EMF. So there's no Wi-Fi. So I'm tethered right now to a wall. So the only time I can get on a screen is to be tethered to a wall. So even when I write, I write with pen and paper and then I put it onto my computer after I could bring it over there, I guess. But anyway, wow. um, so that, that those are actually physical limitations to how much mm. tech I can get. And, um, you know, I have to come upstairs into this little corner where I am in order to get on a computer during the day, if it's a warm day, there's zero service on my cell phone. So we use a landline. Um, and my phone is always on airplane. No one phones me on my cell phone because I'm not answering. If you want to phone me, it's on my landline. So all those things keep a distance between me and, and the tech. But as far as um, the other stuff, um, so Instagram is the only social media I've ever been on. And um, for me, just you know, putting my phone on airplane in my back pocket and going about chores or doing something and, oh, this is cuter. Oh, I should say something about that. I just take pictures and then I bulk put them up when I have service. I'll bulk put them up and then my phone's off again. Mm. And um, same thing, like if I'm going to put a post up and write something, I'm not writing it on my phone. I'm thinking about it away from my phone. And then I put everything up and I just put it up at once. And then I'll go and check comments maybe later on in the day or something. Mm. Um, and then as far as like, I don't I don't know that I would call the Substack part tech. It's more um, mm. the writing part, but it does involve like, uploading pictures or audio and stuff like that. And I try to do that as part of like my writing block for the day. So um, I'll give you a hot tip. Um, there's this book <laughs> called like um, um, Deep Work. Have you heard of it? I have heard of it. I haven't read it though. 
you should read it. So we, I use a bullet journal, keeps me organized. I have to have it, or I just, I need to see things on paper. And then this deep work is just, it it provides this framework and structure of how to take chunks out of your day and like organize things. So, you know, from 11 till one is writing. And, and so regardless of what I get done in that time period, like around the farm, I could spend all day doing tasks and still feel like a failure at the end of the day, because there's still a million more to do. But when I have written things down like that in an agenda and have things structured, my I was supposed to spend two hours on this one task, chopping wood, right? And even though there's like a million logs left to do, I have now succeeded and I feel good about it because I said I was going to do this and I've done this and it's a promise kept to myself. And that's like also very much a confidence and trust building thing in myself. Like when I say I'm going to do this thing, I do this thing so that's just the way my mind works. I, I have the things on paper and I get that structure. Thank you. Yeah, that I love what you're saying. It really, I'm so glad we asked that question because that's actually a beautiful insight into structuring. And I love that difference in perspective instead of I have to finish this wood pile. It's like, no, I chopped wood for two hours. That was the task. I did the that's task. Right. That's I right. love that. I think that really shifts around time blocking because I often think like I need to finish a song in two hours. It's like, no, you need to write a song for two hours or, or yes. an hour. And then that's it. Wherever you get to, you did the thing. I think from that, that's a, given me a shift in perspective. So thank mm, you for that. Me too. Really appreciate yeah. yeah. Lovely. Okay. Well, that is the end of our, our time today. And I just, I mean, you know, you know, I know the vibe. It's amazing. I just deeply appreciate this time together. It has been, yeah, like meeting an old friend again. And yeah, I don't know how my, it's weird. I'm such, I, I word so much. And yet in moments like this, I don't have enough <laughs> that can really express to just say thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your life. Thank you for the offering of your life and the offering of the way you live it and the offering to share it, which adds a whole bunch of extra effort into your world. And it has brought me so much value and I see it bringing so many people so much value. And thank you for the blessing of you, basically. I really mm. appreciate you. <laughs> well, thank you, Nathan. I really appreciate you. And I I love that I can have such love for you. And I've never physically met you, but I, I do. I have such love for you. And I just, I must have known you in one other planet, Nathan, because there's a, <laughs> and maybe one day I'll get to hug you. <laughs> oh, that, let's, you. I was setting that intention. And please yeah. send love to your beautiful husband and just... And just, yeah, blessings on your your family and your life. And and thank you again for everything. Yeah, thanks for being a part of this. It's been a real blessing. Thank you, Nathan. To find out more about Terra and Slowdown Farmstead, you can just go to slowdownfarmstead.com or find her on Instagram at slowdownfarmstead. Thanks again so much, Terra. It's been a real, real pleasure. And I'm sure that many others will be inspired by this beautiful story thank you so much everyone you have been a part of the very very first of the we are already free podcast that's pretty awesome i'm pretty pretty stoked about that and yeah i'm still working out how this whole podcast is going to go i have some amazing conversations as i said at the beginning you can continue listening right now if you like we have emily of free birth society we have pete evans my friend roman will be on soon sam garrett a whole bunch of other people lined up really fantastic and 
hopefully this has been of service to you. That is the intention is that this can support you in your own journey of transformation, your own journey of remembering that you are already free. It's really not something that anyone can give or take away from us. It's something that we can either remember and reclaim or surrender. And that is also our freedom. So as I said, this is brand new. Please, please take a moment to go to nathan.africa forward slash podcast. nathan.africa forward slash podcast. That would be a massive help. Uh, You'll be able to leave a review wherever you listen using that link. And you can also subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. So yeah, please do that. It's going to help us to really get this out to as many people as possible and be of as much service as possible to all those wonderful humans around the world who right now are realizing, I am already free. What am I going to do about it? (laughs) What is the next action? And where are my people? So I hope that you are now one of those people who is joining me on this journey of remembering that we are already free. And it's just a blessing to be here with you. I'm super stoked, super excited and can't wait to see you in the next episode. So for now, just take that action, nathan.africa forward slash review. And let's get this podcast in front of millions of people and let's change the world. Why not? What a beautiful day to change the world. Blessings. I'll see you next time. Ciao for now.